with Mr. Michael J. Durant running for Senate out of the state of Alabama, and Dr. Robert Malone, who, despite what everyone says, is indeed the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology. You cannot forge nine patents. If he did, he's Frank Avignale. I don't think he is. But to get right to it, because I've got you both for 54 minutes, 53 minutes, Mr. Durant, you've taken a strong uh, uh, opposing stance to vaccine mandates. And for future listeners, today's Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. It seems that the dam is breaking more and more. However, there are still strongholds, as we just saw in Canada within the last couple of days. It seems they have fallen much like Australia has fallen. Dr. Malone, what what advice or what, I mean, really, what soundbite could you give uh, Mr. Durant to continue to fight vaccine mandates because when I come out against it, it doesn't matter. I'm not a doctor and I'm also not running for office. Mr. Durant says it. He's not a doctor. He is running for office. When you say it, you're a doctor, but you're not running for office. And kind of like Transformers, our powers combined, maybe we can actually make something that is worth listening to. So Dr. Malone. So uh, Mr. Durant, sir, very uh, grateful for the opportunity to meet you. I wish you the best of luck uh, down there. Um, in the great state of Alabama. Um, and, please. I, uh, I, uh, yeah. But it's a great to make your acquaintance, sir. Uh, and let me just say a little shout out. My great-great-grandfather fought in Alabama 2nd under a gentleman named Stonewall Jackson. Um, came through this uh, valley here, the Shenandoah, got all shot up in the Battle of Richmond. Um, and then he went back home, crippled up, and started a little bank in Dothan uh, that became South Trust. Uh, so I've got deep, deep family roots in your state, and uh, I just wanted to mention that in a shout-out and say hello. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's a great state. I'm proud to say that I've lived here for two decades now, and uh, you know, it's just an honor to even just to run for the Senate and uh, look forward to representing the state. So here's my soundbite. This comes from my organization. I serve as president of the International Alliance of Physicians and Medical Scientists. We're 17,000 docs from all over the world. Okay, so that's a little bit more than is employed by the entire Health and Human Services Organization of the United States government, just to say, put a pin in it. Here's our statement. Seven, as of last night, 17,000 physicians and medical scientists declare COVID national emergency is over and call on Congress to restore constitutional democracy by ending emergency powers. After two years of scientific research, clinical data, and evidence from frontline medical professionals treating hundreds of thousands of patients, we've concluded that the highly treatable COVID-19 illness which is better addressed with natural immunity and proven medicines, no longer requires national emergency status. We are calling for the end of the Biden mandates now that he's implementing effective tomorrow that'll extend for 90 days and suspend the constitution on the basis of a medical emergency that doesn't exist. And if we can somehow get Congress to do its job as opposed to, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it, the Republican caucus in the Senate, four key members scooting out of town rather than doing their duty in voting last Wednesday, um, you know, uh, on uh, stop the mandates legislation that was introduced by Senator Lee uh, and backed by my good friend, Senator Ron Johnson um, and many others, Mr. Cruz and others. 
uh, they've got to step up and do their job and block Mr. Biden and his group from this uh, illegal power grab that is based on the logic that we have some sort of medical emergency. The other day I saw a great little meme, a picture of the signing of the Constitution, somebody in an oil illustration, and it had at the top of it, and oh, by the way, uh, none of this matters if there's a virus. Uh, right? Um, it's, it's unfortunate, that the, but somewhat humorous, and I agree with you 100%. So there's there's uh, the first soundbite of the day. I've got others if you want. Well, the only thing I wanted to add to that, Tommy, is in my introduction. Not not only am I running for office, but I'm a I'm a business owner. I just actually transferred ownership in December, but I've owned my own business for 14 years. So I not only see it, you know, as an American citizen and a future representative of the state of Alabama, but I see it as the how it impacts businesses. I have slightly over 500 people in my company, and as a defense contractor. The Supreme Court ruling about these vaccine mandates was not applied to us. I mean, it's being, uh, it's in sort of a suspended animation right now by a lower court, but it could come back around any day now. Yeah. I I agree with you 100%. It's completely ridiculous at this point, even when it was originally instituted, at this point to keep going down this path. It, It is illogical. I don't understand it. It's taking people who want to work. And essentially forcing me as a defense contractor to potentially terminate them. And here's the irony of this whole thing. Now, as you are well aware, full vaccination requires a booster if you've gone more than six months, right? Am I correct about that? Yes. Yep. By the CDC's definition. So I personally got the vaccine. I, I wish I hadn't at this point. I didn't want to, but I did it because at the time, the Narrative was, you know, this will help you or prevent you from spreading COVID-19, which I'm pretty sure it doesn't do. You're the expert. Uh, it doesn't do. Had I known it didn't prevent it from being spread, I never would have gotten it. I don't take the flu shot. I don't take pain medicine. I don't take anything that I don't have to take. And, and that list is very, very, very short. I'm blessed. I have good health. Uh, and I'm not going to do the booster. So if that mandate comes back around, I theoretically have to fire myself because I'm not going to get the booster. So we're going to see how all that plays out because, you know, I, I can't even get my head around, you know, what, what, what steps do we take to, to fight this off all the way at the personal, the CEO of the company yeah. who is against it. And, and I don't have a religious exemption. I, you know, some people claim those and I support that hundred percent. I've signed them all because I can, I have the authority for my company to accept those. I don't have a health exemption. It's a moral exemption for me. And there is no, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, based on the way the current rule is written, that does not allow me to stay on board in my own company. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how all that plays out. But I am completely opposed to this. I think it's ludicrous. I think it's extreme overreach. And the longer it goes on, the angrier people are going to get. I just read this morning where, you know, the FAA is potentially not going to suspend the requirement for masks on airplanes. 72% 72% of all the problems we're having with passengers on the airplanes is because of the mask mandate. I don't understand it. I don't understand why people don't un, you know, believe what you're saying, recognize where we're at in terms of dealing with this, uh, with COVID-19 and, and finally saying, look, we're, we're past this. Let's get back to normal. It, it, it defies my ability to comprehend. 
Well, so I'm completely on board with you. Can, I, can, I riff, can I riff on that airplane thing? Yeah, go, go, go with it. I've, I've booked a little over 100,000 miles over the last couple of months. It has just been absolutely crazy. Um, and I just uh, flew out to Boise and then over to Puget Sound via SeaTac on Delta. And uh, Delta is one of the airlines that hasn't mandated, one of the few as opposed to United. And uh, the Delta pilots and flight staff and gate attendants were incredibly friendly. They know who I am, which is a little disconcerting. Um, uh, but uh, they are are really all in and they're just doing the motions because they have to. This makes no sense. And it, just to put a, a further pin on that one, okay, I don't know if you saw the bombshell that the New York Times tried to hide under the rug on President's Day. No. Okay. I'm going to read you the title because this, this really sticks it. Here's the title, New York Times, February 21. The CDC isn't publishing large portions of the COVID data it collects. Two years into the pandemic, this is quoting from the New York Times. The agency has withheld critical data on boosters and hospitalizations. Two full years into the pandemic, the agency leading the country's response to the public health emergency has published only a tiny fraction of the data it's collected. Several people familiar with the data said, much of the withhold information could help state and local health officials better target their efforts to bring the virus under control. The CDC is off the reservation. They are acting as agents of pharma. Basically, we've got to we we've got to have Congress because we can't rely on the POTUS to do this. Congress has got to help make a decision. Are we going to continue letting the pharmaceutical industry set public health policy? Now, I'm going to go further in reading this, okay? Because here's the real bombshell, my friend. Quote, the CDC is a political organization as much as it is a public health organization. Boom. Yeah. Says Samuel Scarpino, Managing Director of Pathogen Surveillance at the Rockefeller Foundation's Pandemic Prevention Institute. Now, I'll tell you as an insider, the Rockefeller is about as tight as a tick with uh, the government party line. They are the ones that have been pushing uh, this whole, you know, drug, drug, drug for everybody. And they've been doing it for over a century. Okay. <laughs> they are all in. So this guy <coughs> is saying flat out that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is not serving the public's interest in focusing on disease control and prevention. It's a political arm of the White House. He goes on to say, the steps that it takes to get something like this released are often well outside of the control of many of the scientists that work at the CDC. <clears throat> if I can disambiguate that, what he's doing is he's throwing Rochelle Walensky under the bus. He's saying, uh, we're not guilty of, of fraud because this is scientific fraud. Okay, withholding data like this, if I did it as an academic and published a paper, that paper would be pulled I would be convicted of, of academic and scientific fraud. I'd be kicked out of my university. That's what this is, okay, is scientific fraud. And he's this guy who's basically speaking because the scientists at the CDC don't have the guts to do it and name their names. They're on background, right? Um, he's saying that 
It's the politicians that have forced them to do it. Um, and uh, here's my point. They better come clean soon because there's going to come a time when there's legal implications here. And they got a choice. They can be on one or the other side of the bar. They can be a witness or they can be on the defense. And they have got a time of choosing. And if they know of information, they better come out and come clean now. Because what has been done here is a crime, in my opinion. And it we clearly have distorted the whole purpose of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Mr. Durant. That's pretty disturbing. It really is. And uh, yeah, I would say based on that account that the clock has already expired. And, uh, you know, somebody needs to step up and, and, and start talking about the truth here and not letting the bureaucrats dictate the, the narrative. Um, so, you know, and, and obviously I, I speak for myself and not for Dr. Malone or Mr. Durant. And that's I'm not, not, not about to go on some crazy rant. I just say that for, for just to be fair. But it does make me think of yesterday I interviewed Dr. Brian Tyson, who's, you know, colleagues with, I'm sure Dr. Malone, you know, him with a Dr. Freed, and, and he announced his uh, his campaign for Congress uh, out of the state of California. And I, you know, I spoke with him. I've spoken with Joe Kent, as again, you know, Dr. Malone, Mike Collins, Steve Cara, uh, Andrew McCarthy. But kind of the thing I'm bringing around with all of this is it, you know, it reminds me of, of post-World War One. you know, Krupp, K-R-U-P-P, that 350-year-old arms industry in Germany that went on for generations and generations. And they made all the huge artillery guns that gave them the advantages. And after World War I, obviously, they were handicapped by the Treaty of Versailles. But a lot of what they did, they kept doing research. They kept kind of building designs. On the surface, they they were neutered. They were, they were making silverware. They were making... But on the side, and all these weird like farmhouses and stuff, they're still doing research on the newest rifling, the newest small bore, the long, the long range artillery. And when World War II started, that's why they're able to ramp it up that quickly again. Post World War II, we didn't make that mistake again, and we went in and, and truly sanitized it all with bleach and a flamethrower, just like they did with Japan. The point of me saying that is, what's going on right now, it, it can't. It's not enough that we just repeal these things. It's not enough that we we got them and then it's, you know, we all pat ourselves on the back. There is there is such a deep rot in the FDA and the CDC. They're so beyond captured that th- I don't think what we're seeing with COVID is necessarily a new phenomena. I think the veil was simply lifted. And if we don't do this, and as that saint Bill Gates said last week there will be another pandemic. He also said, sadly, the Omicron variant is uh, vaccinating the world. Mr. Durant, and this is what I'm just going off what Dr. Tyson said yesterday. What will you do to not just win this and repeal this, but go in and, and I know that I'm putting the world on your shoulders right now, but what will you do to make sure this doesn't happen again? And maybe Dr. Malone, you could you could chime in and and help with as a medical professional, what needs to, st- I mean, clearly you can go for the low hanging, not low hanging, but you know, we got to take down Fauci. You got to, all right. Yeah, sure. How does this, how is this rooted out? You can't just hit it because the cancer comes back like this. It needs to be removed or we're just going to be doing it again. And we're going to be saying, how did this happen again? Mr. Durant, what are you going to do or what can you even start to do? 
Well, it's actually very similar to what is going on you know, on the political side, and that is people who are in these positions to serve themselves. They are not looking out for what's best for their voters or the people that they represent. They're simply looking for ways to appeal to their base and stay in these offices forever. So, you know, on the political side, it's an easier one for me to answer because it's term limits. And, and term limits is very popular, certainly among, I, I don't think I've spoken to a single person in the state of Alabama that does not support term limits, as do I. The issue is, how do you actually get them pushed through when they apply to the people that are currently sitting in office? Yeah. So, you know, the only way it's ever going to work from the political side is to grandfather in the people that are already, you know, elected so that, you know, they, otherwise they'll never vote. Yeah. For but, but, you know, you've got to have turnover. You've got to have new blood. You've got to have people who are in it for the right reasons. You know, again, I'm, I'm speaking on the political side. The founding fathers, their vision was ordinary people. But, you know, in today's world, it's business owners, veterans, you know, people who have got real world experience going up there, serving and then going home. You know, back when when it was, we originally founded, it was farmers or, you know, in some cases, soldiers. But, it, you know, ordinary people that understand the things that affect ordinary people. But when you have bureaucrats or politicians that occupy these positions of authority for long periods of time and think about nothing other than how they're going to appeal to whoever controls that next level within their hierarchy, you know, that's where these problems start to, to uh, present themselves. And, and, you know, I, I know I didn't speak to how to fix the CDC. I think Dr. Malone is probably better qualified to do that than I am, but it's probably a lot of the same things. It's just getting those people that have been there forever out of those positions and getting people in there who really care about what they're doing and care about this country and the people in it. I, I did want to say before Dr. Malone, before you take it, I did want to say, I had never, I've never actually heard that stance before, and I think that's incredibly realistic. You probably do have to grandfather them in, or it's just, I mean, yeah, we should, we should all hold hands and sing kumbaya and have world peace. We've been trying it for ten millennia. We're not there yet. Every candidate signs a term limit pledge, yeah, and, but no one would vote for it once they're there. Yeah. So that's the only way it's ever going to go. Through. I think that yeah. very, 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 and I hadn't heard about heard that before. That's awesome, Doctor Malone. So I appreciate the position of the future senator, uh, uh, but uh, I, I'm afraid the rot is deep. We use the term the deep state, uh, and maybe it's overused, uh, but it has a lot of merit as a concept. Uh, I remember back a decade ago, there was a British humorous program uh, called Yes Minister, which drove home the point that it's the bureaucracy that's running the show. It's not the politicians. They, the bureaucracy lets the politicians think they're running it. I've been involved. I'm fortunate now as we're tra I'm transitioning more from uh, the old role of just being data-based analytics about vaccines and immunology and all that. I'm increasingly being uh, catapulted into public policy of necessity because that's where the solutions have to be. I completely agree. The only way we're going to fix this unholy mess is uh, is through political means. And so I've had the opportunity now to work with a number of senators. I mentioned Lee before, Ron Johnson. I communicate with often, and I strongly support his campaign. Uh, and many of the docs are probably going to be going up there to Wisconsin to help him on the trail. But uh, I'm also interacting with 
more of the um, tactical and operational uh, um, strategists, people that were in the Trump administration all the way through, that are building the teams, doing the think tank work, the heavy lifting right now for what we're going to have to do. And here's what they ran into in the Trump administration is that HHS is so entrenched and they play a little game. They scare the politicians. They say, oh, if you change this, if you change that, and if there's deaths, it's going to be on your shoulders. We're going to blame you for it. Okay. So they basically heard the politicians by using fear, uh, fear of the consequences if they don't do what the HHS uh, overlords uh, tell them that they have to do. And the Congress said it and the executive branch have not been able to break the strength of uh, the HHS bureaucrats. And that's how we got to this position. And by the way, most of those folks uh, are come from an era in the 1960s, like Tony Fauci is a great example. Francis Collins is another great example. Um, the, the term that used to be used for these people was the yellow berets. They went into public health to avoid the draft. I'm, I'm, you laugh, Tommy. That is the term that used to be used all the time. These are the yellow berets. Um, and they are not cut from the same cloth you are. Uh, they are they are all in on collectivism. They are deeply in uh, with the World Economic Forum agenda. These people are are not working people in the same way that you and I have been. As you know, I've been a carpenter and a farmer long before I was a physician. And one of the things I think that, by the way, ties together physicians and truckers and other medical providers, one of the reasons why we find such good alignment. We all work for a living. We're not from the laptop class that just kind of emails it in and can work from home. We work with our hands. We work day in and day out to save people's lives, just like truckers work day in, day out to deliver the goods. And I think we find an amazing common bond. But these bureaucrats, they live in a different world. And it's a world of nuance, power, and gaming, and, uh, and privilege, and pensions, and risk avoidance, and all that kind of stuff. And they are dug in. And what Trump administration found was that you can change a couple uh, posts at the top. You can bring in director of HHS and second and third tier people. And they are not able to make changes because the lower level ones are all entrenched and protected. And that's the thinking that I'm hearing is that we have got to figure out strategically um, who has to get out. And we have to have the troops ready and, re and willing to fill those slots from day one to come in and populate that with people that are willing to get stuff done as opposed to just sit on their butts and uh, go along with the narrative and protect their backsides because that's what we're dealing with right now, people that are really entrenched. And the prior administration couldn't blast them out of there. And they eventually got overwhelmed. It's like, uh, you know, Gulliver's Travels with Lilliput um, and they tied Gulliver down, all the little ones. Uh, that's basically what happened there with HHS and the Trump administration. And somehow we have got to figure out a way 
that the executive branch can take control of this entrenched bureaucracy um, together in partnership with the House and the Senate. You guys are you guys are too old for me. I don't understand that reference. Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You guys are now questioning why you're even here. Uh, Mr. Durant, your thoughts on any of that? Oh, I, I agree. I mean, it's essentially the same answer, just you know, told from, from the health and human services perspective. Sure. You know, it, it's it's bureaucrats, it's people that are not committed to the mission, that are not committed to serving the people, that are simply they're self-serving. And uh, you know, I, I never really connected the dots on you know that they were part of the Yellow Beret uh, Brigade, uh, as Dr. Malone referred to them. But that makes perfect sense. It really does, you know. And you know, those those are people who, by their very nature, um, don't care about the country. I mean, they care about their their lot in life, and you know, getting a paycheck and moving up, and uh, you know, and and being very risk averse, and, and you know, and that that exists really in a lot of government agencies because you know, the government uh, people that are uh, you know in those bureaucratic roles. You know, like, for example, as I traveled the state of Alabama, people are still complaining to me about the VA. And now I haven't had a problem with the VA personally, so I've tried to understand where what is the root of this problem. It's the same problem. You've got individuals who are in these positions of power that, you know, that's what's important to them, is exercising that power and controlling the system and allowing things to happen only on their terms. You know, if, if all these people really cared about the veterans and really cared about getting quality care to veterans as soon as possible, we wouldn't have these issues. But it is really the same problem within a different government agency. And, and you know, for as long as we've been focused on the VA, uh, you know, to, to learn that we haven't rooted out most of that is a little bit troubling to me. And it's certainly something that, you know, I will be looking into in greater detail to try to figure out how to solve it. But it's the root cause is exactly the same as the point I'm trying to get to, is people, you have the wrong people in these positions who have the wrong agendas and the wrong priorities and have lost sight if they ever had it about why they're in these positions. Um, if we could, um, you know, there's a million questions I have for both of you, but I have to kind of keep the, the ADD and the fanboying inside of a box and keep it focused for the limited amount of time I have. With what's going on right now, because uh, uh, Mr. Durant, you, you, or Mike, you, you talked about this with uh, Dr. McCullough last time, military readiness. And as you said before, and for those that don't know, I mean, you, you do, or as you said, transferred ownership or control of Pinnacle Solutions. You are a defense contractor. You understand, you know, there's military readiness, as you know, 160th SOAR serving, but there's also, you know, there's also the very, I mean, what Eisenhower talked about. But the actual mechanisms of making sure the government doesn't build anything, it's all contracted out. Those are just as important as you have the pilots, but you also have every maintenance guy, every technician, every weapons engineer, every weapons expert. With what we're seeing right now with now it's the the rubbers hit the road. We're seeing a quote unquote imminent invasion of Ukraine from Russia. And I'm not going to get into the whole politics of should we be there, should we not? Let's just look at military readiness. Maybe it's Taiwan, maybe Mexico invades tomorrow. I don't know. The point is military readiness. Not just as active service members, and we're seeing uh, that small cadre of Navy SEALs holding out, but also, like you, Mr. Durant, Pinnacle Solutions. And if it's not you, it's it's Boeing or Raytheon or Northrop Grumman or whatever, or intelligence contractors. How will 
how do vaccine mandates affect your readiness to provide the actual equipment needed for military operations? And again, not going into where we should or should not be, just the very mechanism of being ready. How does that affect you? I don't know. I'm not a business owner, but I imagine if you got to terminate some people, I mean, you're throwing you're throwing a wrench into the machine. Right. I mean, it takes years to get some of these people to a level where they can actually perform yeah. the, the duties that we ask them to perform. And, you know, that we can't go down to the unemployment office and just hire people to backfill these slots. Yeah. And, and they're flight crews, aircraft mechanics, they have security clearances. But, you know, even if they had all that, it takes a while to integrate them into the yeah. company and get them up to where they could be productive, which not only affects readiness, but it affects cost because, you know, turnover, we did an analysis in the company. The turnover we saw last year, which is not high, our turnover rate was only 8%. So that means that from all the people in the company, 8% you rotated out for one reason or another. The cost of just replacing those people in an ordinary turnover scenario is $1.6 million to a company the size of Pinnacle. Now, all that goes back to the taxpayer because you know that goes into the rates that I bid going forward. It goes back into the proposals that we submitted to the government for you know what operating costs will be in the future for whatever contracts we're going after. So, you know, a turnover is a highly, highly critical element of, of ownership of a business or running of a business. And here we have the federal government essentially forcing us. You know, when I first did the survey, I fifteen percent of my workforce said they didn't want to get the vaccines. Fifteen percent. So just doing very basic, simple math, that's double what I lost last year. So there's a $3 million hit right there. If I could even find the people to replace all the skill sets that I might have lost through this ridiculous overreach. It's just completely illogical. Costs money, impacts readiness, makes me furious because you have people doing things that make no sense whatsoever for the economy, for the nation, for our nation's defense. It just blows my mind. And, and you know, I, I could go on. We could eat up the rest of the time on this this one one vent of mine because I've been very, very frustrated. And I've been very disappointed with the reaction of a lot of larger companies predominantly in 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 still forcing the mandate, even if they got relief. I don't get that at all. What when you mentioned Dr. Malone mentioned United earlier. What is the possible logic behind continuing to follow through with a mandate that doesn't even exist anymore that it never made sense to begin with? Uh, I, complete mismanagement. If I worked for United, I'd be gone because, uh, you know, that I'd go over to Delta because, you know, it, it's a better airline anyway, quite, quite frankly. But, you know, just on that decision alone. So, again, I, I, Tom, I don't want to eat up the time here. But. Tommy's podcast sponsored by Delta. Um, no, but you know, as as you you are the you are the flight expert, Doctor Mullen is the mRNA expert. I could perhaps drop all sense of humility and say I have somewhat of an idea what I'm doing with podcasting. Seven hundred and seventeen episodes. You said you could eat up the rest of the time with this. No, go on that. This is this is where you're talking from. This is where your heart is. How much does because like you said, you can't go pick up me at the unemployment office because you need another guy pushing the mop security clearances and then just competency avionics and then just then just what goes with any job is just group cohesion and then to go with all of that are, are they vaccinated because then you can't you can't even you can't even hire them but yeah mr durant well and in security clearances let's hit that nerve for a second yeah you know, that that depends on the government because you know the government has to process that we're so far backlogged right now because all the government people are working from home which uh, I'm not a fan of. I, I, I think it is 
uh, in many cases, paying people to do nothing, unfortunately, and then taking away from a culture that we had at one point in this country where you got rewarded for hard work, good decisions, showing up on time and being a contributor. Now you're almost being rewarded for doing the opposite. And I personally believe that the, the ability of the government to perform its function in all of this, because it does have a function that, you know, security clearance is sure. an easy one. I can't issue my own, right? Uh, it, it, the government has to do that. That It is a fraction in terms of efficiency of what it was before, and it was never all that efficient. Yeah. So, you know, this this thing just spiders out into so many different impacts that it just, and it's very, it's, it should be a major concern. And then you mentioned the Navy SEALs. How much money does it cost a taxpayer to get somebody to a SEAL team? A lot, right? And a commitment above maybe any other position that I know of, and not that the SEALs are better than Delta or sure. Rangers or anybody, but you know, people that are in these units are so committed, they're so professional, they've worked so hard, they're so valuable, and now we're basically betraying them. Yes. And, and you know, it, it undermines everything. I mean, who, who's going to want to go do this mm-hmm. if their government doesn't stand behind them for all the sacrifices that they make? And then, you know, the first time there's some conflict, we need, you know, special operators to get involved. You know, we're going to call on them, even though, you know, the government has not had their backs when it when it mattered most. Uh, you know, I, I just and it's, you know, we're getting to the heart of why I'm running. Yeah, well, It's so frustrating to see these things go on. And, you know, the option you have as an individual is to just sit there and complain about it or try to get involved and do something. And, and that's that's why I'm getting involved. I can't change the world. I can't get rid of every bureaucrat. But all I can do is go there and promise that I'm going to fight the best I can to try to fix some of this stuff and try to find others of like mind that will join me in that fight because it's it's a big fight and we got to fix it or we're on a death spiral. Yeah, and Dr. Mullen, I'll, I'll let you get in here in a second. I know we're we're going back and forth, but uh, again, just like we're sponsored by Delta. Uh, Delta Airlines, I'd also say I like Delta more because no Navy SEALs will do my podcast, but Delta Force will. But Mr. Durant, I mean, you know, sacrifice more than anyone I've, I've, I've interviewed. You know, everyone knows your story. There's no need to rehash that. And then all of a sudden you're taking these guys, not just an idiot like me who I'd be cannon fodder, let's be honest. But I mean, you're talking about these guys who, if you have the ability to get into Delta Force, you have the ability to do anything if you have that discipline. And you're taking these guys who would drop for a second for this and who have. And then you're saying, no, you don't have this shot. You, you can't, you're not, you're gone. You know, it's one thing if it's one thing if it's Vietnam and you're involved in a massacre and it's like, hey man, rules are rules. You, you got, you're not taking a shot, which now back to Dr. Malone, because we have the expert, Dr. Malone, your thoughts as a medical expert, not just on the military aspect, but I guess we've now teed it up as a military aspect. The best of the best, the literal tier one, they are being forced out because they won't take a shot. And so instead of Mr. Durant and I sitting here and speculating wildly, let's kick it to the literal inventor of it. Is there any logic or any merit for them to do that to these operators? So thank you, Tommy. And uh, let me just say something to Mr. Durant, just to provide context. He probably doesn't know about this part of my CV. Mr. Durant, I used to work for a task. I'm currently a consultant for Lidos. I've been trained in business development by task. I used to work uh, 
for uh, Dyneport. I worked for Dyneport Vaccine Company. I've won or managed over $8 billion in federal grants and contracts. I've been awarded secret clearance only because that's all I needed for DOD. I've worked with closely with DOD my whole career and continue to work uh, with Defense Threat Reduction Agency. So I get your world. And I totally get where you're coming from, I believe. I'd like to share an anecdote. Um, and I put out this uh, three to four minute clip about warning parents that they need to be careful and take ownership for vaccinating their children. And don't let the government insert itself into that whole topic area. But I'm going to give you the backstory. The person that I co-wrote that with, who remains anonymous, is a father of a Navy SEAL who had just finished his training. And during his training, he took ill with COVID. And it was like two days. You know, this is a young buck, just like Tommy's saying. He'll do anything. He is... You know, this is a extremely high performance athlete, to put it gently, um, who is all in. And uh, it it barely it barely bumped him at all. It didn't affect his dive times or his stamina or anything else. Cleared it right away. And then the government said, you have to take the jab. So he called up his dad and said, hey, which one should I take? Dad called somebody at the Mayo Clinic who said, "Uh, take the J&J because it's the more traditional vaccine, which, by the way, was false. Um, and uh, the young man took the vaccine, was sick as a dog for two weeks because that's what happens because you shouldn't be taking the vaccine after you've already been infected because you, your natural immunity is kicked up and it makes it so you have worse adverse events with the vaccine. So this young Navy SEAL who's just completed basic training, he's passed all his physicals, he can no longer do 50 push-ups or run two miles after he's recovered from his two weeks of illness post-vaccination. Now, fortunately, we put him in touch with Pierre Corey and some of the others that Tommy knows. And I won't say what the treatment was. That's his business. Uh, But um, he's back, and he had been accepted in Pensacola to flight school, uh, something you know about also, I suspect, sir. Uh, and, uh, And he passed his physical, and he's back on track. But... The point is, his dad carries with him the knowledge that he put his son in harm's way with these recommendations. And that statement that I make about you, people need to take ownership of the risk and think twice about jabbing their kids comes from the heart of this father of this Navy SEAL. And then, you know, sir, I'm also very closely connected. I've provided sworn testimony to USN Captain uh, Tomlinson on Pearl Harbor, uh, um, a JAG, Captain Level JAG. And uh, she has distributed that sworn testimony about the risks of the vaccine and the adverse events and these other issues, including the uh, logic or dislogic of mandating these jabs for kids. Pardon that disruption, Tommy. Somebody trying to pester me. Right. Um, uh, so, uh, so Captain Tomlinson is busy fighting the good fight from within and making uh, great progress uh, in in on the legal side on behalf of the warfighter. 
I'm also uh, closely connected uh, with the Lieutenant Colonel who was the whistleblower for the uh, DOD uh, DMSS data set that was disclosed that they then went in and manipulated. And by the way, you'll enjoy this. Uh, the contractor that's running that project is a, is a small business startup based in Herndon, Virginia, that's got a significant dose, as I understand it, of Chinese money. Uh, that went in, that's managing that database and went in and, and uh, quote, corrected the data um, after the fact when it was disclosed what a huge, amazing surge in adverse events we've seen in the Department of Defense database. Uh, that's the epidemiologic surveillance data set after the implementation of the mandates. You know, the pilots know what's going on, as you know. That's why they're so resistant. The insurance industry knows what's going on. And now we've got new information coming out of the German insurance industry that's also saying the same thing. We've got a problem here. And uh, the, the, uh, we are imposing all of this on warfighters. And I believe that we're going to find that we have degraded, directly degraded military readiness due to these vaccine dates. I'm also told, by the way, this is not confirmed. Remember that SEAL that died suddenly after he completed training? Hell week, yeah. A myocardial infarction. Um, what what uh, the captain is telling me, because she's got to prove uh, the autopsy reports on any of these deaths so that she can, they will release the compensation package for warfighters that have been damaged in the line. What they're doing is they're holding on to the autopsy reports. They're not releasing them so that people won't know what's actually going on. But the consequence is that warfighter families are not being compensated for their losses. I mean, this, as you point out, sir, the rot here is deep and broad and it goes right to the top of the Pentagon and uh, in these illegal orders, they are illegal. The mandates within the DOD chain of command is fascinating working with the captain to sort this out because she's got all the paperwork, okay? Um, and what it shows is the top command and DOD covered their backsides with these orders in how they worded them. And then the lower level, like fourth level, you know, colonels about to retire, then reinterpreted them saying that these are in fact licensed vaccines when they're not. And there's all kinds of sneaky stuff going on um, where they are automatically inputting data. If you get the jab in the DOD and it's the Pfizer EUA jab, it automatically enters it into the database as if it's commonarty, but there is no commonarty. The, the malfeasance and manipulation is profound, and it's going to take some committed folks in the Senate and House. Uh, and, and frankly, we have got to see the Senate and House turn at the midterm if we're going to get to the bottom of this. Mr. Grant. Well, I, I mean, on your last point, I'd like to think that the American voters across the board recognize their failure in in giving as much control as we did to the Democrats in the last go around. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, you know, we certainly should 
win back the majority for, on the Republican side. And, uh, you know, I, and, and I'll be honored to be a part of that. It's, a, it's, it's very, very troubling, uh, you know, I, I, and I don't understand it because the, you know, the people that I served with in the military that were senior leaders, I highly respected all of them. I don't understand how in 20 years since I departed the military, we've gone from what I was serving in to where we are now. Uh, you know, the, the, the priorities are all wrong. The, the emphasis on what's important, you know, to our military is all wrong. And it's, it's not just affecting readiness. It's affecting morale. It's affecting, you know, people, they don't want to stay. I mean, they, they, they've had enough. And, uh, you know, I, I, it is really, really, really bothers me because I'm so proud of, of, you know, the people who do serve this nation and they deserve, uh, you know, to be led by competent leaders that have the right priorities and the right mindset to defend this nation. And uh, I'm not sure where Dr. Malone just went. I, I imagine he'll be back any second. But what, what I was going to say was, um, regardless of if he's here or not, I've kind of been, you know, I realize now that I'm 50 minutes in that I've kind of been pushing this in certain ways. Mr. Durant, is there anything that you want to talk about or any or position you want to take or basically kind of free for all? What What is on your mind the most that I haven't touched on? Is there anything you just want to say that I haven't gotten close to? Or And he's back. Um, but yeah, I guess I will uh, re- repeat that question for for Dr. Malone. Dr. Malone, I was, I was just telling, uh, Mr. Durant, um, now that we have eight minutes left, is there anything that you specifically, Mr. Durant want to talk about that maybe we haven't touched on? Um, yeah, just firing from the hip. Well, you know, we kind of touched on already, but I, I, I'm convinced that the root cause of a lot of what's going on in Washington is the fact that we have career politicians in office. I mean, Joe Biden is the most prominent example. He's been in office for 40 years. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Robert Gates uh, said in his memoirs, you know, and this was written, I think, in 2014, that Joe Biden was on the wrong side of every major foreign policy decision in, you know, in his time in office. And now he's, you know, been in office eight more years. And unfortunately, in the highest office and he's maintaining that record. So, you know, so now we're, you know, we're going on 40 years of, of failure from a foreign policy perspective. And I think the root cause of that is the fact that he is a career politician. He has not been out in the real world. He doesn't understand the impacts of, you know, his agenda on voters, people, you know, the essence of what makes America great. The average person out here trying to earn a living, trying to support their family, trying to do the right thing and, and, you know, proud to be a part of the greatest nation that has ever existed, but is absolutely troubled by the direction that we are going because the career politicians are taking us there. And, uh, you know, I sincerely hope that in this next cycle, there's a, a reload, if you will, of people serving because that is what it's going to take to get us moving back in the right direction because we're not right now. I think um, I think you do have a have a duty, Mr. Durant, to to push people to run for office. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of him. Helped me get through some dark times. You were on Jocko Willink. That's a guy that he needs to run. All these guys that they kind of laugh it off. Oh, I'll never do it. 
And it used to be a cool thing to say, I'm not going to be a politician. That meant you didn't want to be a slime ball. But we're kind of at a point now where individuals like yourself or Joe Kent, these you know special operators, that it's, it's distilled into you to take action when no one else will, whether that's flying, whether that's setting up a perimeter, or whether that's looking at the country and going, no one else is, I'll do it. It's so I do. And that's just kind of my two cents. I think you need to use because you do have kind of a, an untouchable respect in the military community for you. I think you do kind of need a less formally, maybe just guilt trip them. Maybe just start poking uh, Jocko, start poking well, I, Andy Stumpf. I, I do want to correct you on one thing. And okay. that is that I, I, my endeavor is not to become a politician. Well, I, I, I know, I know you're, well, you're, no, you're doing I serve and be in politics, but I will never be a politician. Well, and that's my point. That's my point yeah. is you're doing what need, it used to be. I don't want to be a politician. You're no, now you're going to do going up there to do the job. It just so happens to be labeled politician. That's what I mean. We're, we're going to go kick in some doors. Hell, that's what we do. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. You fucking Irene. That's what we need is we need, we, we, I, you got to do it. Dr. Malone doesn't have that leverage. I don't have that leverage. You guys start poking these guys and being like, Hey man, it's, it's, it's ready to rock. We got to do this thing. And, uh, hell yeah. That, I think you're going to see a lot of veterans in the next go around. Now, I don't know how successful they're all going to be, but they're all, I believe, in it for the right reasons. And I think it's what the American people are looking for. Uh, we need more veterans in, in Congress and, you know, regardless. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see a lot of folks stepping out where they already have. Yeah. So that's very, very encouraging. I, I wouldn't be concerned about success. Just like you said, play your position, do something, do anything. It doesn't, I send out 100 emails a day. Most people don't respond. Some people ask me, hey, stop harassing me. You know, I got it. But sometimes it works out and you sit down with Dr. Malone and Mr. Durant. Sometimes you interview Charlie Duke who walked on the moon. It doesn't really matter how successful you're going to be to just go out and do it. Um, Dr. Malone, in our closing four minutes, do you have any, as uh, I know Mr. Durant and I keep boxing you out, your closing thoughts? Oh, I got no problem. This is about Mr. Durant and his campaign, and I wish him the best. I support uh, where he's coming from. We absolutely need folks with DOD training and perspective and commitment. Uh, and we also absolutely need people that understand federal contracting. Yeah, That's one of the problems is that the contracting and subcontracting process isn't understood by a lot of the folks that are making decisions. But now, what, whatever you think of him, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to quote Mr. John F. Kennedy. Um, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. This isn't about, as you're saying, this is a time, this isn't about being a politician. This is a time of stepping up and doing the right job and getting the job done. And we absolutely need it. And I can tell you, Senators Lee, Johnson, Cruz, and Paul, need some compadres in there. Uh, and what happened last Wednesday with this vote to defund the mandates, where we had senators uh, from the Republican side scoot out of town to avoid a vote, uh, really points to what Mr. Bannon calls the uni uniparty problem. Mm -hmm. We have a problem of uh, the globalists and the World Economic Forum having infiltrated our government. And I'm being blunt. But you know what I'm talking about, Tommy. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid it's crossed both sides of the aisle. And we need folks that understand, you know, which side their bread is buttered on. Are they, are they for the Constitution? 
or are they for the party of Davos? Because yeah. it's that time. And it let's not, you know, beat around the bush. Doctor. We've got a situation in which the Constitution is being suspended by Mr. Biden and his administration for a sham reason. And I'll quote, you know, another candidate stood at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, you know, RFK Jr., my good friend. And he said, basically, you got to recommend, you got to recognize that once these folks take power, these bureaucrats and these politicians, they'll never give it back unless you force them to. And, and what we're doing with the truckers and the alliance between the truckers and the doctors is try to wake up America, but we need to have legislative back. We need folks in the legislature that are going to have our backs and are going to go in and stand their ground and get stuff done and stop being bought out by big pharma. Yeah. And that's a heavy lift. That is not going to be an easy task as we've been talking about. So, you know, we, we are sitting in a situation in which the medical emergency is over and and it's looking like we may win that skirmish. But uh, there is a way bigger battle. Um, and uh, this is just the first round. Yeah. And that is a battle between collectivism and constitutionalists that are committed to personal freedom. And speaking for myself, and I think probably for you too, Tony, uh, for Tommy, um, I'm, I'm all in on freedom. I prefer to make my own decisions rather than have somebody in Switzerland tell me what to think and what to do. Yeah. And uh, I think the next time Dr. Malone speaks in, speaks in the Capitol, I think nothing would be more badass than if he was just dropped in by Mr. Durant in a Blackhawk, just <laughs> right in over the rooftops and just drop in Dr. Malone. Everyone's like, the hell is this? And it's like, we're here to fuck shit up. Um, but yeah, okay, I'm in. Uh, he can do. It. We it, it can. We have the technology. Um, yeah, uh, it, it can. It, it can be. But you know, I, I did want to close on kind of on on one note. Um, you know, it is a long battle. It, this is a battle and a, and a long war. But I can say from one of the Delta Force operators that I regularly interview, who uh, Mr. Durant was was in uh, uh, Mogadishu. You know, one piece of advice he's given me right when I started the podcast, like episode 50. And for everyone listening, Mr. Durant was actually here, episode 95. Um, but he has always told me, don't look at when you're when you're downrange, uh, doing something plausibly deniable, maybe for the CIA, maybe not. And everything's gone to shit and you're in the middle of nowhere. You don't don't overwhelm yourself with thinking it's 90 miles to the border of a friendly country. He always says this, 10-meter targets. Is there a guy behind that rock? Pop him. Move. Cover. Ten me- We're running out of – don't focus on it. 10-meter targets. We're running out of fo- – don't focus on it. 10-meter targets. There's a storm coming. 10-meter targets. And next thing you know, you're there. So that's kind of my logic. 10-meter targets. Just head down, plow through the line. I will stop recording. Both of you don't go anywhere. Got to say something real quick uh, for everybody listening. Thanks so much. God bless America. Recording.